Yo. Hey, how's it going? Oh shit, here we go. So oh, we're just in it right now, huh? Yeah, all right. It just oh, started cool. the timer. I can hear you perfectly. All right. <laughs> Good old anchor comes in clutch. Not gonna <laughs> fuck us this time. <laughs> Is this so, the the program that you always use for it? That just like goes yeah. right to yeah. cool. do, do you edit it at all? Like after you make the uh episodes and stuff? I'm fucking lazy, man. I'm just like, ah, here we go. I'm just gonna <laughs> hit publish. And it literally just sends it to Spotify in like three to five business minutes, like it's that instant. Oh wow. Yeah, no, it's super dope if you're thinking of ever uh doing that. Um anchors are really there there are editing functions. I am just a lazy dick and I don't realize <laughs> them. Uh that's you know, you know uh, I'm sure I can't blame you, honestly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I figure uh, the people that choose to listen to this can hear an, an unfiltered, un, uncut version of uh, the Joseph, Billy, Johnny Neiman discussion. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you could can, you can always, like, in the future, uh, like, edit, like, edit them down and, like, do, like, uncut versions or like edited versions or whatever oh, hell yeah. if you really felt the need to do so yeah like if i ever amass like a <laughs> substantial following i could do like patreon shit yeah kind of, like, kind of like with porn videos they're like hey here's the first half hour here's the last half hour pay <laughs> pay money to see the middle five minutes I mean, you, you could have said that about literally anything else, but, but yeah, that, yeah, no, yeah, that too. Not, not that that's a medium I'm partial to or anything. <laughs> I was like, wow, that was like right on the money. That, that was like, like damn, dude. That, that, was the, that, was, that was the first option you went to. Such a nerve, did I? <laughs> uh, that, it, it was just so funny how that that, that was like the the initial, like the the knee jerk. Thought, you know? uh, I mean, I mean, literally everybody's seen porn at least one once in their life. <laughs> like what subscribe is, for the whole thing. <laughs> so here on the the Johnny Neiman podcast, you're gonna mm-hmm. get the jerk, you're gonna get the cum shot, and you're gonna get a conversation with Joe Billy. Oh man, there is we that, go. The essentials. Is that, is that the uh, the description of one of your Pornhub videos? Oh damn! Uh, I, I'm I'm actually not too well tapped into that community, so I, <laughs> I'm not very well versed on how that goes. But I, uh, I wouldn't either. I w- I was gonna be very surprised if you uh, <laughs> were just like, yeah, this this is how it goes. This is this. You look at all I'm not a I'm not a uh, fucking connoisseur of the the por- pornographic underworld. No, absolutely not. <laughs> All right. So there's our first three minutes of the podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, How do we know when the warm-up's over? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. We're just kind of improvising. All right. So uh, I, I actually wanted to ask you, because our uh, main, our like, very broad idea for uh, this episode was uh, wellness, like, like general wellness and how it pertains to like our creative lives right or right, not, right, definitely. Maybe, maybe not like that narrowed in but uh in general we we're gonna talk about our experiences for wellness yeah uh, 
was it uh, out of my uh because i had a few talking points or like ideas to throw out i also have a few books that uh, i need if in case i need a reference next to me but uh was there anything that uh uh struck you that you wanted to start talking about first um shit man uh they they were all so good like we have identity labels cult culture um admitting that we need help what we need uh as opposed to what society tells us we need uh, those are a lot of things i've also personally been thinking of as well because a large part of my 20s i mean i'm 29 now but a large part of my 20s has just been like unlearning things that i was taught previously like yeah. you know the, the, yeah, the picket fence and the two and a half kids statistically speaking and the the house and it's like oh wow i'm not striking any of those man so, <laughs> yeah so there's no, same here. there's definitely this uh this definite ideological um disparity between you know people who are in the punk scene and standard society uh what what are some specific things uh, you've been grappling with at this juncture uh like ever since like my like quote unquote start of the journey of like getting better in general like the awareness of getting better or whatever yeah yeah um well the let's see <laughs> am i allowed to just like give, give a narrative for a bit then and oh yeah like to, dude yeah we're, uh, we, we like have all the your... time we have all the time in the world man yeah t- tell all your right. story so uh i forget what year it was i think it was maybe um 2011 or so i was in this bookstore like this really large vintage bookstore and i came across this book i don't know if you've heard about it um called dharma punks i've heard of it and it's been on my list for a while i've never gotten around to reading it but um i mean it's fantastic this is is gonna push me more toward it um yeah tell me about that um and i just saw it and it looked really it was like a relatively small book and it um it i mean it had the word punks on it and i was like oh that's cool <laughs> yeah so, was this um, before like you had started playing music or was this like after you'd started playing music or uh, not not too long after i started playing music um oh, i mean music's always been a huge part of my life but i didn't think that i would actually want to pursue playing music and like doing music until i was about 15 or 16 and i started taking drum lessons and stuff and then it, the I end up here, yeah. Um, yeah. But you maybe a year or two more than I did. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't play a show until I was like twenty-one. Oh wow! Everyone's got their own journey, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and I think like a year or two after that, me and my girlfriend at the time were like roam, roaming around the uh, the town that we ha- hung out in all the time, uh, and um, we we came across this bookstore, and I found that book. And I was like, I have no idea what this is about, but it looks really cool and has the word punks on it. (laughs) So I'm going to buy it. It was like 12 bucks. And um, it's a very intense book because what the book is, I wish I had it with me, but um, what the book is, is a memoir of this dude by the name of Noah Levine. And he, he was basically like a punk growing up in the seventies and the eighties and all that. And his, uh, his, his perception, uh, it's basically like a narrative of his life. Um, 
well, like I said, it's a memoir. I'm scrambling <laughs> already, but <laughs> um, same. It, uh, that's I'm, I, I'm, I some. I'm gonna never mind. Um, so the uh, um, it, it just recounts his entire life of uh, growing up with the type of childhood that he did, and um, how his parents were like quote unquote hippies, and how he resented them for that, and then he met some kids and started hanging out with, with, with these kids and showed them uh, uh, punk music and so on and so forth. Kind of like a very um, like stereotypical type of like punk life story, I guess, yeah, in a way. Because yeah. he like went through a bunch of addiction problems and, for years and um, like suicidal bouts and stuff and, and just a bunch of type of trouble like that. And yeah. Well, the problem with with the book initially, because like uh, I was a pretty fragile kid um, in general, but at the time I don't think I was ready to read this book because um, like the first chapter, the very first paragraph was a quote foreshadowing like a part in uh, a further part in the book, and mm -hmm. or in a chapter at least, and it was like this very poetic type of paragraph about how he can like tried to committing suicide right and so yeah at, just at, at that, yeah and so at that point in my life i was kind of like i don't know if i could read this book because i could barely handle that first paragraph right like, right like not that i was necessarily going through that at the time at least but um it was just way too intense for my teenage brain but yeah for where we you know there's certain points like where i'm at in my life where I stumbled into things that like I probably wasn't prepared for like developmentally yeah. speaking that I would more likely be able to fully understand later. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I didn't pick the book back up until like maybe two years later. Mm -hmm. um, I was going through a lot of fucking shit and um, I recently ended at the time I had just ended a, uh, a pretty serious relationship for me. So it was very heavy and dark time for me. Yeah. And I really had nothing else to lose. So I just kind of picked up that book again and tried to read it because I was like, I mean, I've had this book and it looks really cool and I've never read it. If this is as heavy as I think it's going to be, maybe it'll be good for me. Yeah. It'll and, establish a point of connection. Yeah. In, in some way. And so, um, it's just like this whole memoir about this guy. And um, it's basically about his journey, finding his type of wellness. And for him, that was a lot of Buddhists and like Zen type of teachings. Yeah. And that more or less started me on my exploration into that type of um, world or th those types of concepts and teachings and practices and stuff um and it to this day him and a, a bunch of his uh colleagues and friends are have this group like basically this um i guess i'm not sure if they would call themselves a buddhist group i can't really remember mm -hmm. but they're a type of dharma practice called the dharma punks because okay. they're just a bunch of punk kids covered in tattoos that had really shitty lives and then found peace within dharma practices Dude, so that's, that's incredible. It, it was a very astounding book. I cried most of the time when I read it. And um, since then, 
Uh, he has two other books. I'm not sure if he wrote any others actually, but I have his other two books as well that um, weren't as impactful, but still very, um, what's it called? Uh, beneficial and like gaining more, uh, more knowledge or more sense of yeah, spirituality, yeah. like, like self perspective. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then since then it was just kind of this, um, casual, sometimes intense exploration of like what spirituality really is and how it pertained to me. Um, cause I never really thought about it until it was put into that perspective. And I, cause I was raised Catholic my entire life, went to Catholic school my entire life as, <laughs> as you know, per, per my song. Right. Um, but, um, and then once I left high school, it, it wasn't in my face every fucking day. Yeah. And so I was allowed to like, just think outside of myself and everything I knew a little bit. And once I started reading and listening and uh, exploring things that questioned my narrative more and more, I, I just, like you said, which is basically why I started the story is how I started kind of like, shattering all of these glasses yeah to, and, and like ripping away myself and unlearning all these things um to this day you know yeah. and so that that's that kind of is how i started finding more uh practices and things that are really good for my wellness and i, I mean i'm still uh, constantly trying to keep up on practice sometimes i like fall uh, just like I get busy and then I just forget about it. And then I realize, Oh my God, I haven't like done my self care practices in months right. and I feel shitty. Right. Um, and so since then, and at this point, it's just this incredibly vast exploration or at least attempt at exploring more. Right. Like trying to push myself out of my own head, out of my own bubble as much as I can. Cause it's so easy to stay within that, you know, and not, uh, I've, I've always had a problem with exploring new knowledge out of like fear, I guess. I don't know why. Well, I mean, wh when you go through a life and you're kind of bludgeoned by all these things by, you know, whether it's religion or politics or uh, just these very basic staples that we are uh, inherently taught not to question, right. it's, it's a really difficult practice to start kind of circumnavigate circumnavigating around that and, mm -hmm. and to you know like you said like shatter that glass and see what's on the other side of it like it's a it's a really difficult practice and one that if you're not already in a depressive state puts you into one i mean like for for me it's because it's like oh man here's all these things i believe were right and now i need to you know like apparently mistaken i simply I, be open-minded like, right. just, there, just like the act certain, of being open-minded is so hard exactly and there's certain things that are not like inherently wrong but things that you know i realize do not fit my lifestyle and my personal preference for how i want to live and uh you know it wasn't until like my mid to late 20s where i was like discovering what i wanted and what i didn't want and by sifting through all these things and kind of, you know, dissecting and 
abandoning all these things that have that um that like i believed my whole life or that were taught to me and it kind of leaves you in a position where you feel lost because like all right well now i don't have this what now and where do i go from here and yeah it's a very harrowing sentiment yeah for i mean i still get plenty of days like that where i just feel like because after a while i felt very liberated and comforted in the fact or in the understanding that there are a lot of things that I'm never going to know. So I have to let go of the, of, of the expectation that I will ever know the right answer to some of these things. Yeah. Um, and in that aspect, I always have to feel as though I'm a blank slate type of thing. So exactly. that there's, there's always like nothing's ever sticking to me enough to create a false sense of identity or something. Right. So that you're always open-minded and you can take information for what it is and then eventually like piece things together to create a truth of some sort if that exists, you know? Exactly, exactly. It, it's it's kind of like not not forcing yourself into this pre-existing package or this pre-existing box, but you know, taking from everything you learn along the way and instead of labeling yourself or instead of, you know, creating a false type of identity, you are just who you are and you're able right. to just establish this, yeah, th this kind of core truth that you just carry with you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I will say this one point bouncing off of that. And then I want to hear your story because I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over that. Um, but uh, it, there's just this such, such a, uh, uh, con not condition, but like this ancient, uh, I guess, conditioning. They're just like this tribal feeling in our, in our biology type of thing. Yeah. Where it's like you, you always need to feel, belonging somewhere right and, so, right and so unfortunately so many people uh especially now in the i guess quote unquote modern age um mistaken belonging with fitting in or vice exactly. versa and so like i mean this is why i write so many songs that i do like my song no isms is exactly about this about like not labeling yourself um or getting into like the cult culture or like um assuming that like like oh this group or ideology or whatever fits me enough so i'm gonna like conform to the rest of it you know so yeah. like uh, like too many people forget that or don't realize that it's just like there's so much gray area in every single person that all these labels while they are descriptive of, of like the general sense or gist of like what you're going for. Right. But, um, it, I, I don't know, at least where I'm at now, just this whole, the, it, it just seems like it's the most sensible and the most helpful overall to like be a blank slate, have no labels, like, like, um, strip away from identity as much as you can. I mean, that's a big practice spiritual practice in and of itself stripping yeah, away from identity and, and like this idea of like non-affiliation so to speak you know yes yes um 
uh, I would definitely like to hear your points on on that or any obviously anything. But um, <laughs> before we go any further, can you give us your uh, origin story, so to speak, uh, how you started wellness or like yeah. becoming yeah. more now? Um, so, Matt, uh, before we go any further, like you, that was such an inspiration, man. Like I'm so grateful that you shared that with me, and like there's so much of that that like not only obviously I resonate with, but like perspectives that are like new to me and perspectives that like, I'm definitely going to like delve further into. And like, man, like, it's just like this, this wealth of knowledge and insight and wisdom. And I'm, I'm really, uh, really appreciative that you shared that with me. I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to, I'm always very uh, scared. I guess scared is a strong term, but like, it's this isn't the type of stuff that is necessarily normalized to talk right. about in right. society, you know, like it's kind of getting there, but like, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of trying to get there. It's, we have yeah. a lot of work ahead of us, but we're, we're closer than we have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely always trying to not be afraid of being myself type of thing, or at least having an, uh, some sort of open-minded conversation or something. Yeah. You know? So I, I do appreciate this as uh, of course, as I said, but oh, uh, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. All right, Johnny, give it to us. All right. So prepared to be given <laughs> to, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to give a quick preface with like how I got into punk and how that kind of uh, led me to where I'm at. Um, I didn't go to a Catholic school. I went to a public school, pretty standard issue public school. Uh, but like I went to Catholic church every Sunday with my dad. Uh, my dad's Catholic. Uh, my mom is uh, Methodist. Um, so, you know, my dad is from like a long lineage of Catholicism. And I was kind of the, the next, the next one on the conveyor belt to uh, go there <laughs> as it were. Um, and you know, it's obviously something that works for him, but for me, like I was about 16 years old where I was like, all right, like I like, th this isn't really driving well, but I had a lot of like shame and a lot of guilt. Like, uh, well, like who am I to question God? Like my punk ass, like, I, I think I'm right here. Like, and I had a lot of like internalized, you know, that I just kept to myself and, you know, where I was like, Hey, like, there's a lot of things here that don't seem to add up. And if, you know, there is this God that's watching over us, why do we live in this hellscape that is so ridden with poverty and genocide and starvation? And a lot of it just wasn't adding up to me. And then, um, the, well, the first time I got into punk was, uh, Tony Hawk's pro skater Two. That's how I got into bad religion. Uh, <laughs> the song you was on there. And that kind of planted a seed. And eventually I went out and I, I was probably 13 years old. I bought the empire strikes first, which is their uh, 2004 album. And yeah. there are a lot of lyrics where I'm like, Oh wow. This guy has articulate Greg Graffin, Dr. Greg Graffin being the guy um, has articulated a lot of the thoughts and feelings I've been having, but in a, an extremely, logical cogent way because i mean he does have a doctorate in evolutionary biology and mm -hmm. his songwriting is also like it's also a practice of 
you know, like he, he often describes songwriting as like an intellectual puzzle or like trying to propose a thesis and trying to navigate and answer or ask a question. So nice. I like that. Yeah. And that's something I try to take. That's kind of an approach I try to take with some of my songs as well of just like kind of gnawing on a question and trying to make sense of the world. That's what a lot of what I do with my writing. Um, and also another thing um, was when I was like 11 years old, I was at my friend Booth's house and we're friends to this day. We've been friends since first grade. I was at his house and he had an older brother who was like 16 at the time. And uh, he Booth was like, Hey man, my brother has this CD and it tells cops to fuck off and i'm like well man i don't know about that <laughs> first off like cops are good like let, let's be clear like i don't want no part in that maybe <laughs> just just listen to it and uh, it was just a burnt disc that said like anti-flag number three and it ended up being mobilized oh, uh, their, their album mobilized and i'm like fuck that shit I don't like cops anymore. This shit is dope. <laughs> so all it took was a couple records and it got me, got me on the right page. I'm like, what do you mean the cops are putting people in prison for their pull? No way. And then I did some Google searches and I'm like, Oh, it checks out. <laughs> checks there out. It <laughs> there it is. Fucking right there, Mumia Abu Jamal, Leonard Peltier, they are in prison forever for the things they believe. Um, and then uh, and then they kind of led me down literature. Like I started reading, you know, the, the classic Franco on American No Effects. I started reading Howard Zinn and Noam Chomsky. And there's a record out there called uh, No Gods, No Managers by Choking Victim. And uh, there's a series of spoken word bits in there um in in the end or the beginning or the middle of the song and apparently they were all by this guy named uh, dr michael perante and i started getting into his books as well um this would be probably late high school early college and this was kind of like i guess my radicalization period you know quote end quote because like you know how is it radical to think you know people shouldn't wage a legal war or that people should have health care or you know, I, I don't view it as radical, but within the political, socio-political paradigm in which we operate in, it is deemed radical, which is problematic for a multitude of reasons. But um, so that's how I got into punk rock. And that's how I became like um, politically and socially cognizant of my surroundings and became active. And I became a vegetarian in 2007 as well. Um, I, I was a vegetarian until the beginning of this year and I'm a vegan. Finally took the plunge on that one. Hey, cool. Congrats. Uh, yeah, it's great, man. Like I had extreme cholesterol and now I have normal cholesterol. So Very it's, nice. uh, it's good. But, uh, yeah, with depression, like, uh, when I was 21, my best friend, uh, committed suicide. So that was, I mean, like I had some depression before that, but that was the thing that like pushed me down that motherfucking rabbit hole. I'm sure. And like, I had really deep, really um, debilitating depression and not to say I don't now, but it is well managed. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I have over the course of the last eight years found ways to like manage my depression. Um, 
but yeah, like I just started like reading book after book after book, you know, first I got into like general self-help books. Like I got into the classic book, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It was written in like the twenties or thirties. And then that was kind of like the basic like introduction to like, Oh, I can be a better person. Um, so then I got into like more spiritual wellness where I got into like Eckhart Tolle, uh, Eckhart Tolle. I got into, um, the, uh, four agreements, which is the, by, uh, Miguel Ruiz. Like, yeah, I actually, I have that. I have that right next to me right now. I picked that up a few months ago and I, I read it in one it? day. Yeah. Dude, I, I read it like in one day. It's such, yeah. like, I, I cried most of the time. Same like, dude. Same. It's so it's so weird because like I like I I had at least an inkling or like some uh basic understanding of like the concepts in that book. But right. somehow the simplification of them and just like the very this is what it is nature of the book yeah. was just like so heavy. Yeah, but, yeah. Like I really want to give this to somebody because it's such a small book too. Like it is. It's, it's so such important. a like almost pamphlet you know like, like, I like literally hey. <laughs> in like an hour and a half and yeah. when i read i go through with a pen and i like annotate and you know underline th- every single page i like underline sh- like basically the whole book is underlined and yeah. like, the, the truths in it are so apparent and they're so simple but so i've cool. never seen it facing me so closely before like yeah. there's a lot of things that are obvious that we overlook and understate but like when it's right there and you're reading it you're like well f- yeah of course fuck god wow yeah it <laughs> radically changed my life and how i view the world and every person i know who's read that book thinks the same like after i read that book like the following christmas i bought like 10 copies and gave them to like my friends and family i'm like get a load of this oh, nice nice like it'll take you an hour and a half whatever show you were going to binge just don't watch a few episodes and read this book and you'll come out a different person Where, did you have have any kickback from like gifting that book like did, was anyone like yo fuck this uh actually like everyone was super cool because like um i i was never i'm i'm never like a you know and, and i know it's easy when you're a vegan to be because vegans are the most hated people in the fucking world <laughs> like 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 oh i am blah 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 and you should blah 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 and it's like like nobody wants to listen to that shit so like right it's hard to I get just, a conversation going if you like attack people personally right right exactly Unfortunately. So I, was just like, I was just like hey this book this very small manifesto of a book changed my life I am a much better person. I am a much more intentional person. I feel like I have grown a lot as a result of this. It takes very little time. It takes very little effort. I've gained a lot from it. And if uh, you think you would be interested, here you go. No pressure. You know, I, I'm, I'm not one of the people who are like, just because I got you this, you have to use it. It's like, no, like if, if I get someone yeah, like if I get someone a gift and they don't use it, like I'm not going to come on now. It's like, oh, that's me for getting them a gift they didn't want. Like, you know, so like, hey. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, hey, if this is something you feel like you'd be into, I've gained a lot from it. 
I, I know you pretty well and I know your heart and I know your brain and I think you'd get a lot from it too. Um, and that, that's kind of the approach I take with everything. Cause so much of my life is like, whether it's like reading a book or listening to a podcast, I'm like honing in on something and I'm like sharpening a craft or a skill or yeah. a mindset. And like, I just I've... love sharing that with people and I love it when people share it with me. And it's like, I, oh, man, here, here's something funny. I, I was talking to, not really a friend, but kind of a low level acquaintance a few years ago. Okay. And we were just texting and she's like, what are you up to? Like, you know, the basic small talk. I'm like, Oh, I'm reading this self-help book and whatever I listed it. I forget which one it was. And she's like, Oh, why are you reading a self-help book? Are you a bad person? A bad person. Is like, that oh, who reads how self-help books? Like, do you need help? Like, are you shitty and need to get better? Like, oh, why do you take guitar lessons? Are you shitty guitarist? It's like, no, I want to hone in on this craft. <laughs> are, are you not a, a perfectly evolved human being yet? Yeah, like, like <laughs> it kind of it kind of like baffled me. I'm like, oh, this is how people view self-help? Or yeah. maybe not people, but this person certainly like felt that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, to, to bounce off of what you a couple of things you said, I, um, I've never been much of a reader and I'm trying to remember that, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm constantly trying to motivate myself to read. Um, uh, and I find that the only books that I really stay into reading are those types of books, like not necessarily self-help books, but like a lot of books that can be considered self-help, but like really, right philosophical and perspective driven and like thought provoking type of books exactly. uh, where, where it feels like you're learning something about yourself or about the world or something like that. Right. Um, like, so, so my whole bookshelf, like half, half of my bookshelf is books I need to read. So oh, dude, um, same, same here. Like, um, cause with the, me, like when I'm at home and I have nothing but time, man, I work Monday through Friday, eight 30 to four. And, I kind of just fuck around in the time in between and like I have more free time than anyone. And like, I don't read hardly ever. And I love it. Like when I was a bailiff a few years ago, like I, I never took anyone to jail. I was the guy who just like made copies of papers and took them to the clerk of courts. Like I was like the, the fucking bitch boy who the judge <laughs> just yelled at all the time. That was my job. But, uh, <laughs> but court only went on from like, 8 30 to 12 and then from like 12 to 4 or 4 30 i was just sitting at a desk doing nothing so i would just like read books to help pass the time until i could go home and that's when i went through like all these like philosophical books all these self-improvement books i i read a lot of books about like managing money and stuff like that because nobody ever taught me that in any educational setting ever so like anything to just like make my life easier and pull me out of this like manic depressive rabbit hole. Like I was just about it. And while I don't read like paper books, hardly that much anymore, not, not cause I don't want to, I just forget to like, I, I still listen to podcasts all the time. Cause I, I, I drive about 70 to 90 miles a day for my job. So mm -hmm. I always have something on there to just like on in the background and sometimes my brain will latch onto it and pull out a little nugget and save it for later. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've been constantly trying to find podcasts to listen to because whenever I drive to work, it's just 
like I always have to put something on. I never know what to put on. Oh, yeah. uh, and I, I'm trying to, as, as I continue to become more and more self-aware of my, all my stuff, um, I'm realizing again lately, or like reminding myself that like certain medias are better for me to really grasp onto something or at least introduce myself to something. Right. Because like, like I mentioned earlier, I, I have this for like, like this type of um, still like really innate anxiety or fear about like pursuing knowledge or pursuing uh, things that I feel like might shake me too much, you know. And so um, I've been realizing like uh, like looking into something in like a really small dose or like in a in a type of media that is still somewhat comforting for me and doesn't feel so intense is a good way for me to introduce myself into the thing that makes me uncomfortable. Definitely. Um, at the same time, like I'm, I'm realizing as I'm talking out loud <laughs> um, that like, that's a good way to introduce at least myself into stuff like that. But then yeah. I worry, then I worry if I'm, only listening to podcasts or like only watching videos or documentaries and stuff that my brain will shut off sometimes and miss something. Yeah. Right? Like obviously that that's a very viable source of like consuming that type of content. But if I'm forcing myself to read a book, it's so or, it's very active. Like whereas podcasts yeah. are saying it's like a passive thing. Sometimes right. I'll like go into automatic mode oh yo i missed my highway exit like oh i wasn't paying attention yeah exactly that's what i'm worried about it's like i gotta read this fucking page again because i didn't remember any of the words that went in right and how many times have i fucking done that (laughs) all day long man you you don't you don't know where you stopped listening to the podcast you know and so if it's a really like in-depth podcast i would want to like really pay attention to all of it and so, right. uh, I don't know. It's a, it, uh, it, that's something that I'm always constantly like exploring and experimenting with. Like, what can I, what can I do to help myself help myself? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same here, dude. Same here. Um, so here, here's a question with any, cause I do have a version of this in my own life. Any attempt of like self-help or self-improvement in any type of way in your life, have you ever gotten like any clap back from that from like your friends or your family or just like people like, why the fuck are you doing? What the hell? What, why? Like, do you have um, any versions of that? No, I don't, from what I remember, not something incredibly intense. Um, there have been a couple instances that were just like, um, confronta- not confrontational, but just like contradicting or like, like kind of like with that type of attitude, like what, you know, like, um, when I first started meditating <laughs> back in the day, when I like first started meditating, like the first month I was, yeah. at, I was at work cause back then I was lifeguarding and I, I was at work eating lunch with a couple of the other staff members. And I was just, I was just like, guys, have you ever like really paid attention to how good your food is? <laughs> it's game changing, dude. It's game changing. <laughs> Because I was Holy like, shit, man. Uh, I was just introduced to like eating meditation, like really being aware of like what you're consuming and like how it feels when you bite into it and taste it and experience yeah. it. And, and they're like, all of them just stopped and were like, dude, how high are you right now? 
Yeah, because it's so like, like in in this consumerist like, just nah 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 nah, just like a little fucking Pac Man eating all the pellets, just like consume consume consume. Yeah, I am American robot. Like it's like a like what the fuck? Like nobody thinks about being like deliberate with their time or their energy or like their efforts or resources or anything like that. Yeah, and that's like a a spiritual thing, but also like a, a health thing, which I which I can get into in a bit, <laughs> which I also read upon. But um, there was also in the, at the same job, uh, there was this chick that I met that I, that I ended up being in a relationship with, and um, our our spiritual views differed quite a bit. And that yeah. this was like shortly after around the time that I was getting into all this types of stuff, and um, we would like get get in like extensive arguments about it of like my simple trying to be open-minded about life <laughs> like i didn't think like, I didn't pardon really, me for offending you yeah like i'm sorry that i'm like trying to be a better person and explore yeah, the like, intricacies of what we don't know pardon but, me. <laughs> but you know we all have our own journey um yeah. and then uh it, it's never really been ever more intense than that it's always just been kind of like questions like especially when i would try like a different type of meditation <clears throat> i would like mention it to like a family member or a friend and they were just like okay uh okay why do you why do you do that or like wh what is that supposed to do or like uh, okay and, or, or it's just the simple okay and then the conversation ends you right. know and i think that's partially what like that and on top of a bunch of other experiences i'm sure throughout my uh formative years were just like a lot of people seeming like what I had to say or excited to share wasn't very in intriguing. Yeah. Like, like people don't share your enthusiasm. And it's like, if, if you give a shit about me, like, don't you want me to live my best life? And don't you also want to live your best life? Apparently <laughs> not. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, so, so I, I'm still in the process of like constantly reflecting upon myself and, and, delving within my psyche and shit but, yeah, sure. but i'm sure it's a lot of that that <clears throat> excuse me i'm sure it's a lot of that type of thing that feeds into my uh my whenever i feel closed off or like feel like i shouldn't be sharing anything or probably the main reason why i don't talk about so many things that are important to me as often as i should because i feel like what's the point you know right. um before I rambled, what were we going to talk about? <laughs> um, so the the question for that was like any clap back or like any, which oh, I, right. I do I do have a version of that. But I, I also wanted to add to uh, your um, food meditation. Here's something that um, I here, here's a podcast I just listened to like a week ago. Mm -hmm. um, it was an episode of a podcast called A uh, Fuck Up's Guide to Self-Help. Um, and it's a really good podcast. It's super dope. Um, and what he was saying is like, you know, one thing that really enriches my experience with eating, like I kind of turn it into a ritual before every, every meal is like, all right, so I'll, I'll give like a small example. Like I eat a lot of like hummus and carrots. Like that's kind of my go-to snack. Mm -hmm. So sharing his perspective but applying it to my thing like you know i'm sitting there and it's like oh man the people 
you know, like the migrant farmers who harvested the chickpeas, the people who took the olive oil and the sesame seeds to make the tahini, the people who planted and grew and nurtured the carrots and like the, the people who trucked it to the retail store for you to buy it. The, the worker who stocked the shelves, like all these things went into this meal you're having. And he's like, I just try to think of like the furthest chain of like how it got here. And like, I've been doing that lately too. And not only is it a really intriguing uh, mental exercise, but it really does add to the enrichment of the process from what I've been doing in that short amount of time. It's almost like a really extensive, like necessarily extensive version of like, like the cliche saying like things are always, things always taste better if you cook them yourselves. Right. Right. Oh, and, I, mean, and not- I mean, even to that extent, uh, you still get that produce from something. Like I, I just started building my own garden to just experiment with that. So like that yeah. is also cutting off one of those types of steps, right? Cause then you picked it yourself and then you washed it yourself. And then, but it, it's like, depending on where that food came from, there's always that type of self-reflection and awareness that you can uh, think about. Like yeah. what were oh. all of the steps to get this food to my plate right now? Right. Oh, a key, com- the, the most key component, the most important part of that thing that I forgot to mention specifically is uh, the gratitude for it. So like, man, like I'm thankful yeah. for this farmer and this for, and like every single domino in that line of dominoes, just like extending gratitude to everybody involved in that process. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, you, you said something earlier, uh, when you, when we were talking about, um, like consuming, right. Uh, yeah. and how society has gone about health and food. Um, there's this really great book that really changed my perspective on it or just like diet in general, like general health of diet. Can I reach it without ripping out my headphones? It's called, Oh yeah. It's called, uh, aerosol of the clear by Bob flaws. Oh, I'm not familiar with the name or the author, which is, I'm really excited when I can like get into new things. I'm going to, I'm going to have to have you type that out to me so I can save it into a note so I can, so I can have it for later. Yeah. It's a, it's also very short. How many pages is it's like, here we go. Like this is something you could do in a day. It's literally 70 pages. Oh, sure. And and it's just, it's like the, the way they describe it is a simple guide to healthy eating according to traditional Chinese medicine. And so that, uh, it, it's just like very basic concepts of food that like changed my whole perspective on food. And since I read that book, I just feel so much better with what I eat. (laughs) At least, to the extent that I actually like do well at it because I still eat crap every now and then. But um, on top of that aspect of food, the concept of how you eat um, is like totally forgotten. Right. So like, yeah, um, uh, I've more and more tried to stay in the habit of not force feeding myself and trying to, um, I guess kind of make a ritual out of it, but like try to stay in a, 
um, a relaxed state while I eat because um, my old, I used to take acupuncture pretty regularly. And my old acupuncturist years ago first told me this. He said, it's, excuse me, it's better to eat really shitty food when you're relaxed as opposed to eating really good food when you're stressed out. Oh, I never thought that's really, really interesting. Because the way your body functions, <laughs> I've always been reading into stuff like this, but about like stress and shit, but the way your body functions, um, or like how it's functioning and what chemicals are being pumped through your bloodstream at any given point, or like how relaxed you are or whatever, um, plays a huge role in your overall health and mental state, including yeah. your stomach. And your stomach is where everything goes and everything spreads, you know? So right. like, right. You, li you literally are what you eat, but you especially are how you eat as well. Damn, that's then, so good. Like, uh, have you uh, ever looked into Robert Sapolsky at all? No, I'm not familiar, actually. I'm currently reading one of his books. He's a, um, how does he put it? A behavioral biologist, I believe. <laughs> and um, he wrote this book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. And it's literally all about the concept of stress and how it, and how it pertains and affects our daily life, not only mentally and emotionally, but physically as well. And how not enough people think about the concept of stress and how much it really fucks us up. Right. So like the simple act of rushing up in the morning and force feeding yourself to go to a really shitty job. That's so much stress. Oh my God. Physically, mentally, and emotionally that cuts years off of your life or yeah. just simply like rushing to eat. Uh, especially when you're, when we're rushing to eat, we eat shitty food because we're in a rush. Right. And so like not taking even, even just like two minutes of like deep breathing, like a really short meditation type of thing to like relax the muscles and, and the hormones in your body yeah. to, to, to even eat like a shitty thing like that is harmful to us. Yeah. Like it's, it, it's just going into like this broader aspect that we're talking about like modern society and like what's fucked up with it uh where do you want to go from there <laughs> yeah. um oh another book i wanted to add that i have here it's about 120 pages but like the book is super small and it's all double spaced it's mm. called how not to kill yourself a survival guide for imaginative pessimist by set sites and faith g harper who's actually like a uh clinical psychologist mm. but uh no mm -hmm. one, one story i wanted to share that i thought was really fucking funny yeah. is like for the most part like you know like most of the decisions i've made to better myself like people like hell yeah hell yeah like pretty on my side but the one thing i got a lot of clap back from and i think it came from like a good place a place of worry is because is when I got into minimalism because I got rid of like 97% of my things. Like, I, I, mean, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. When you were doing that. And like, I remember like, and it's just funny, like, my, like, you know, my dad and I have an incredible relationship. He's my fucking hero. And I see him once a week and we hang out all the time. But I remember like, I was like going through my closet and I was throwing away jeans that were like eight or nine years old. Yeah. And I, I put them, this is back when I was living with my parents and um 
I put them in like a garbage bag to donate to Goodwill and I put them in like the spare room that, you know, had nothing in it just to store until I gathered everything to take the Goodwill. <clears throat> and he would like sort through it and like fold some of the pants back up and like put them back on my bed. <laughs> like, I don't want these. Like, I went through them or like, I remember. And, like, this is fair, I guess, for someone with depression. I remember, like, I would post on Facebook, like, hey, I'm getting rid of some fucking books because I've amassed them for two and a half decades who want some. And I got messages like, are you going to kill yourself? And I'm like, no, no. no. <laughs> I appreciate your concern, but no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, the drastic change of the, like, because usually when journeys like that start, there is some sort of pivotal point where it's like right. really obvious to yourself and everybody else. Yeah. And so sure. at, like, it's definitely at that point that everyone has, like, it definitely does come from a good place. Right. They're like, oh, absolutely. Hey, hey, I just want to make sure like, you're good. <laughs> like, oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. <laughs> definitely. Cause you're immediately um, like trying to be different. But now like, I'll even hear my dad say, cause like, he's kind of like gradually like throwing old junk away that hasn't been touched in 30 years because he's thinking of like getting a condo and selling the house and mm -hmm. every now and then he's like you know i think you're on to something with that minimalism you know maybe i should start doing that i'm like it's gonna make you feel better <laughs> yeah you know? uh, um my family ha has been trying to i wouldn't necessarily call it minimalism because we still have a bunch of shit <laughs> yeah but but um more and more we try our best to like really do that especially myself because like my room has been a mess for quite some time just like because i also have this weird anxiety about like cleaning things because i don't because i have a bunch of tiny shit and like very specific places to put my tiny shit and like if i move it if i if i choose to clean this area then i have to clean everything i have to move these things and it's like yeah i don't know it's this whole fucking cycle in my head but um, oh, I've been yeah. really forcing myself to do that more. Um, and the universe has been like really throwing it at me, I guess, because like situations come up where like this entire part of my room got dirty in a really gross way and I, I had to clean it. So I, yeah. I was forced to clean like this whole corner of my room. And I still have like maybe one or two more areas in my room that I have to like gut out, clean. But at least once a year, I try to do some gutting, you know, and uh, right. especially clothing wise, because like I have so many clothes still even like I put together at least a bag or two every year. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Of clothes that I'm just going to donate. And I still feel like I have way too much that I would wear, you know, yeah. and, uh, I'm sure that goes into like how you how we grow and just change to like, oh, I don't really like this shirt anymore or whatever. Instead, right. of, keep, instead of keeping it. I'm sure plenty of people um, can relate to like the one year rule or something like, have I worn this in the past year? No, let's get rid of it. Right. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the approach I take. And because like at this point, like, I mean, I have a futon, I have a bed, I have a TV, I have a guitar, I have a record player and I have a mattress. And it's like, anytime I look at my shit, it, they're like my favorite things. Cause I don't like own anything I don't like anymore. And it's just really cool to be surrounded by all my favorite things. And, um, yeah, like it, I just, I, I just feel a lot lighter and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, a lot of my personal friends are incorporating that into their self-help, which like, I just got into that cause I saw a fucking documentary on Netflix called minimalism 
And I'm like, well, sold oh. me. Thanks for your 70 minute elevator pitch. Fucking ruined my life. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I like what you said about surrounding yourself with more things you like too. Cause it's so easy to just like forget about like what's around you. you yeah. Know? For sure. And like, like what, like I've been in this room for like <laughs> over a decade, you know? And so yeah. like, like, some of these things on my wall are like, oh, why is that still there? Or like, why do I still have this fucking thing in the corner that I never moved? So oh, yeah. On, yeah. on top of on top of gutting shit out that I don't care about or don't need, I'm also trying to add more things that make me feel more centered. Like I have now four, four or five plants in my room. Dude, like, that's incredible. Like, last year I had no plants in my room, you know? Yeah. And so uh trying to feel a bit more touched to to life and stuff you know whatever feels like it's reverberating my energy in my own space you know that's why i was trying to get outside a lot more and like make a garden and just like do yard work and just like spend time outside yeah be be connected with the natural world yeah yeah that that made a big difference for me once i pushed myself outside more oh absolutely man Oh, yeah. I was just about to say something. I forgot what it was. Ah, oh, damn! It happens to me all the time. <laughs> that surprisingly enough, that was our first awkward break in like fifty. Yeah, in fifty-seven minutes and fifteen seconds. <laughs> Man, yeah, we. It, it's really hard to like find someone where you can just have like an endless flow of discussion and exchange of ideas. Yeah. Like usually, there's a lot of breaks, but like, damn, this is. It's so good to just like flesh out these ideas with you, man. Cause like, I know for okay. me personally, I'm going to like re-listen to this episode a few times. Cause there's a lot that you said that I need to extract okay. and apply to my own life for sure. Uh, yeah. Right back at you. I mean, I mean plenty of perspective and, and similar things, you know, and uh, I'll probably have to do the same thing. Cause <laughs> when I go on rants, I usually don't think about what I'm oh, saying. So, so that's probably a good thing. You know, it's, it's all pure and, yeah, not, not filtered and stuff. Um, yeah. I did want to ask you actually. Uh, where was it? Have you ever read? What was just about to ask you? Oh, have you ever read the subtle art of not giving a fuck? Yeah, um, fucking. Okay, Mark I think, Manson, I think we yeah. talked about. I think we talked about that actually. Yeah, uh, when, I really like how because one thing I've been getting into more lately, more lately, more recently is uh, stoicism, and I really. I really appreciate how the subtle art of not giving a fuck like gives like it packages stoicism for a general audience and like Mm -hmm. people who are not going to like look into ancient stoicism. They're like, Oh, this, this book has the fuck word on it. I'm going to read. Whoa. Holy shit. This is dope. Yeah. That that was my initial thing about it. Yeah. Like, it has the it has the word fuck on the title. <laughs> oh, same. I didn't. That's the book that actually introduced me to stoicism. I didn't know what stoicism was until I Wait, read would that. You, um, I, I was gonna look up in my dictionary, but I might as well just ask you. Can you uh, give me a, a, cra- a like a crash explanation of stoicism? I feel like I'm forgetting what exactly that. Um. Thing, that, that so, is. um, when. When we're off here, I'll definitely like give you like an operational definition from the dictionary. But to the best of my understanding, uh, stoicism is just like 
being grounded in your immediate reality, focusing on what you can control. Like it's basically just taking like a realistic approach to wellness. And it's like, oh, well, I can't control this thing. Why should I let it bother me? I mean, there's a lot of like complexities and nuances attached to it. But um, a lot of it is just like practical day-to-day living that is rooted in a lot of I don't know if ancient's the word. I don't know what constitutes ancient, but definitely philosophy that's over like 900 years old. Yeah, sure. Um, It sounds a lot like the concept of Zen to me. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's a lot of interconnection with that. Like be in the present and like... Right. Incorporates a lot of mindfulness and meditative practices. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you read Mark Mance's other book? No, I, I I heard a couple podcasts about it though because he's really interesting to me, and uh, I, I need to revisit it because it's been a while and I kind of forget it. But uh, tell me about it if you've read it. Yeah, his second book book is called Everything Is Fucked. Right, that's right. <laughs> the follow and, up, um, good name. It, it's like um, there are two, basically two uh, halves of it. So like the first half is talking about a lot about human conditioning like we've been talking about and like unlearning shit and like being uncomfortable and stuff like that yeah um it uh i I forget if there was anything else he really delved into but a lot of it was being real with yourself yeah and and it was it was like actually really hard to read at the time I, i read it sometime last year i believe and i was also going through a bit of a rough spell and like it was really hard to read honestly um, and then the second half of the book was like hope for, or like the concepts of hope. He yeah. argues that he, he actually argues that like, which I've been hearing more that we should give up this concept of hope in the way that we do, because it's not Zen. It's not being in the present. It's like trying to lie to yourself yeah. in a positive way. Yeah. Like don't, don't hope to, don't hope for things like do what you can about it. And then like, I guess, quote unquote, pray in whatever you, 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 you consider prayer. Yeah. You know, like whatever a, your version uh, of that is. Right. And I, I want, I, when I read that, I was like, but that doesn't make sense. You know, like what if, um, what if your version of hoping is the way that you pray, yeah. you know, uh, or, uh, but I feel like his, like, his um, point was that like there's like this um, uh, yeah I'm, I'm totally blanking on this now but it, it, the whole second half of the book is um, basically what we can do once we are aware of our bullshit you know? yeah. um, I think that's the subtitle everything is fucked a book about hope <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's right that's right I do remember that yeah, it's more something... so it's more so a very Zen stoic take on yeah. the concept of being in the present and dealing with shit and like right. dealing with hardship and like uh, just like a different way of saying like there's uh, like you can't uh, like allow yourself to suffer on things like that you know like right I, for, I forget where I heard this quote but it a lot of people um, believe that pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice because of how you 
choose to react to pain or tragedy yeah. or something. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think the second half of that book was a lot about that. Yeah. That makes <laughs> sense. Well, what are your thoughts on, on any of that? Like um, in terms of the concept of pain and suffering? Yeah. Like that's something that I've encountered as well. in some of my readings that like pain is reactionary. Like if you fucking cut yourself on some glass, there's going to be some pain. If you lose a loved one, there's going to be some pain. Obviously, those types of pain are very different. But suffering is staying in that and reveling in that time, even well after it is passed. And right. so, like, while on a purely philosophical level, like, I, I think that holds true, is that pain um, pain is inevitable, suffering it. is a choice. I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like I feel like technically there is a lot of truth to that, but I don't think that we as humans are well equipped enough to ward off suffering in a meaningful, sustainable way. If that makes sense. Well, for sure. I mean, the, that's always two halves but of like, a the statement right? is like, definitely true. Like you know, breaking it down logically definitely is true. Yeah, the, there's always like a, like two halves to that a conversation like that, right? Like the concept of it, but then how your current society would actually react or right. like be be able to implement uh, apply that or implement that, right? So there's there's no way like the the first time that I heard that quote, I think it was in some sort of Buddhist teaching type of book or Zen book. Um, I told my girlfriend at the time that the really uh, <laughs> intense spiritual one. And uh, I, I told her, yeah, th this book says, uh, which I kind of get like pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice because we can react or we can choose how we respond rather right. than react to uh, tragedy and stuff. And she like flipped the shit, you know, like, w which is, like, I don't blame her for that. Like, it's very understandable because, like, you're basically telling someone, and everyone's gone through shit, you know, some of us worse than others, obviously, but yeah. you're you're basically telling someone <laughs> that your suffering is pointless in a yeah, way. Which I, which is not, not, not the intent, obviously, but I can see how The statement is technically is, true, though. Yeah, I guess so. It's, especially um, from, like, a... Like, all right, the moment that you cut yourself on glass or the moment that your friend or your family member dies, painful, indisputably painful. But like a week or a month or a year or a decade from them, that moment is not being inflicted. That pain is not being inflicted on you. And your remaining in that moment is causing unneeded suffering. Whereas if you focus on the present moment, there is no pain in that moment, which technically does make that statement true. Uh, I suppose so. Yeah. I, um, I am not well equipped to transcend that though. <laughs> um, Me to, personally, to... I've done a lot of suffering and no matter how much I've tried to craft my, uh, my coping mechanisms, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to transcend suffering no matter how hard I try, if that makes sense. Well, I think one really important aspect of if you were to like accept that concept um, 
to any extent, um, is that like, there's no, there's still no timeline or like formula to coming to peace with something. Right. right? It's, it's still going to be different for everybody. And it's still going to take that person, however long it takes them to do so. So like something that feels impossible now is very well possible at some other point. Oh, definitely. Just, just because, um, but I guess going back to like the, the way I was trying to think about their perspective, like if you were to tell someone else that, um, like, I guess I would try to think of like a different way of saying that type of, um, sentiment without making it sound so personally attacking right or personally right right because it does when, when somebody is grieving that statement can sound uh it can sound aggressive and it can sound for sure like very, i'll get over very it. very abrasive right yeah you know, like like i'll get over it type of thing yeah but but it's like i, I think that kind of goes back to like the simple language concept of like Actually, I want to bring up my dictionary again um, or my thesaurus because I think a lot of people in our society now, like, uh, is this is this a word syn- syn- synopsize? Like, that, like pain and suffering are basically synonyms now, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, oh, yeah, it's literally the first uh, synonym on, on this dictionary. I, I looked up pain, and one of the first uh, things in the thesaurus is suffering. Yeah, and so that, it's so those weird. are technically technically different things, but if you believe that they are the same thing, of course you're going to feel personally attacked with a statement like that, right? Right. Like it's amazing how language and philosophy can be so disparate, can be so different. Where like, because you know, from a philosophical standpoint, pain and suffering are very, very, very different things. Whereas, uh, I apologize if there's some noise in the background, I'm flipping over some eggplant and putting it back in the oven here. uh, (laughs) Also, like, I feel like if you go to the dictionary, which also, hell yeah, I thought I was the only person who like uses my dictionary and thesaurus like multiple times every day. Cause especially when writing a song, like all the time, man, it's like, Oh, is there a word that syllabolically or meaningfully, uh, fits better than the word I'm using. And I like, I do that with every song I write, but oh, yeah, with, with language and philosophy, like I, I feel like um, from a language perspective, two words that would be synonymous are joy and pleasure. Whereas like from a philosophical and realistic standpoint and emotional standpoint, like joy yeah. and pain or joy and uh, uh, fucking pleasure they're very, very different. Whereas, like, pleasure is very carnal, and joy, it, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I can, uh, from my experience, I, I do understand that there's like some sort of basic, like, fundamental difference. Yeah. Similarly, because like joy is more of like a fulfilling type of feeling, like yeah. a, like a spiritual fulfillment or personal fulfillment type of thing, and like pleasure is, like you said, more carnal and more. I guess superficial in a way or just like surface, you know, Um, like not that those two can't go hand in hand because just like pain and suffering can. 
yeah. uh, but but there are very fundamental slight differences between the two right like you can not not that i know from experience because i haven't but word on the street is uh you can get pleasure from snorting a line of coke i don't think snorting a line of coke will give you joy however right right (laughs) like like, i don't know kind of uh kind of back to the like oh the porn thing, which is a, is not a society in which I'm tapped into, but the the principle remains. Right when you don't think to think enough about um, whether or not joy and pleasure or things like that are actual synonyms or just in the same realm of language, right? Then it can affect your morality and decisions quite a bit. Yeah. Haven't ranted this long in forever, dude. I'm just so stoked that like somebody else, especially like a songwriter and artist that like I really revere and hold in high esteem. You uh, also consults the dictionary and thesaurus as well. Oh, I, mean, I feel like every songwriter should do that for sure. Oh, I, I feel mean, like they should. I feel like a lot of them don't, but I feel like they should. Like if yeah. you're, if you're a wordcraft you should use the greatest resource available to craft your fucking words. Especially when it's like, cause I use the computer version of the dictionary. Yeah. So and I, like you, you can just search a word and yeah, it'll, it'll, yeah. like, uh, cause especially, first of all, I very much appreciate that sentiment. Thank oh, you very course, much. Yeah. Of course. I mean, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I always, when I write lyrics, I always try to be, more creative more metaphorical just like trying to sound more intelligent (laughs) more intelligent than i I actually am (laughs) and so um so a thesaurus is always uh, like my first go-to after i jot down raw ideas of like okay how can i say this in a different way that it's more interesting right right because especially for my solo stuff like i base most of my songs off the lyrics so like they have to be good you know, or right. at least some, somewhat meaningful or satisfying. Definitely. Like, I remember uh, when I first started writing songs, like, obviously, I was and still am very uh, inspired by Dr. Greg Graffin of uh, Bad Religion. But yeah. I remember when I first started, I was like 19, whatever. Um, and I, I started like, all right, how can I be like Greg Graffin? So I started incorporating these, like, five syllable words into my songs. Like, I remember on my first album that is on the internet and I'm not going to tell you where, but it's on there. My first album as pawns, it has a song called vicarious descent and it has a song called infinite requiem. Uh-huh. Okay. First off, if you go to a bad religion show or if you buy a bad religion record, like people who listen to bad religion will look to the dictionary for bad religion. I'm not going to be playing it like Buzzbin. Like, now that's class. And people, well, hold on a sec. Uh, let, let me look that up for your fucking 22-year-old ass using words to sound smart. And then I kind of like oversimplified. And now I'm using it to like, all right, how can I establish a word economy? Because before, because I would use such big words with, with many syllables. My yeah, you really was, tried. 
Right. Like I went overboard. My lines would be like 16 to 18 syllables long and it would just be so verbose. And I'm just like squeezing as many words into a line as I can. And it doesn't sound good. And now I primarily use it like, all right, can I swap this word for a word that has more applicability in this context? I'm not trying to like wow people with like, Ooh, look at the word he can use. Is what he got three said, anybody can make, something sound complicated only a genius can make it sound simple right exactly especially i find especially when it comes to writing lyrics um, obviously you want to like at least me personally i always want to make it sound like it's not just fucking words oh yeah you know just just like rant like like really i like i can appreciate the merit of really simple and raw lyrics on a final product but like the the more you grow as a musician the more you appreciate that less and and so like especially when i become have become so um i'm such a stickler for lyrics same same so um the how you go about like the purpose of of your song i feel like definitely affects the way you're going to write the lyrics because if you are just trying to show off and like show people that you're intelligent and smart, you're going to use a lot of big fucking words. Right. right? Like, and and like, like force people to look up a dictionary or whatever. But if you're, if you're like me where you're, you want to write songs to like start conversation or like to try to get people to open up about themselves or like, cause that's always like a really big precedent of how I try to write music is to try to engage people in introspection or right. reflectiveness or some sort of open-minded type of thing. And um, <clears throat> at that point, you have to think about your lyricism as conversationalism a- in a way that you can connect with someone who isn't going to get this song and then try to get them to get it and then open themselves up. You know, so like right, right. A, lot, a lot of the time I'll take really extravagant sounding phrases that i come up with that mean a lot to me but i'm like no one's gonna know what i'm saying yeah you know and it's not like i don't want to make it sound like i do that often i'm not like a like a wordsmith um but you you, it depends so like i want to reach people all types of people so that they can not think like me but just like think more about themselves like 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 critic critically think about everything that you don't think about exactly that is such a good way to articulate that thank you i'm surprised i said it so well (laughs) but um bottom line is that it's always how you want to go about writing lyrics that is going to affect your decisions on how you do i suppose yeah definitely because to me the most important thing about songwriting now isn't like how can i make people believe i'm smart when at that time i was a fucking dipshit like if i was smart (laughs) to try to prove it to people um but now it's like how can i establish a point of connection how can i create something that could be meaningful to people and if i'm throwing like seven syllable words that's just a hurdle or an obstacle to climb to get to that connection where it ultimately would probably end up being lost. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. I, um, uh, well, what's up? Oh, I was going to say, um, after, um, after like this 
segment of our conversation, I wanted to ask you a question about like music that we listen to, but I don't want to cut this part short. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Jot that down. I'm around. Um, uh, what was, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, but, um, uh, like currently I'm working on my next album and, uh, I'm working with my, my friend who's producing it with me and he helps me out with the lyrics sometimes too, when I'm questioning it or like, I don't feel like it's strong enough or whatever. And a couple of times it's been like, most of the things have been like, okay, well, no one's going to get this word. Like, like yeah. it fits obviously, but no one's going to get it if you want to actually start conversation, you know? And yeah. so, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big part of that. Fuck, where was I going with that? I totally forget. <laughs> Dude, that's me. Like anytime I talk, I totally get it. <clears throat> I, I've actually been finding that re like legitimately retracing your steps, steps helps that. So like, yeah, it really again. does. Like move the same exact way. And I, know, I still might have lost it. Now I put myself on the spot. <laughs> now I put my subconscious on the spot. I might not. <laughs> um <clears throat> but uh oh i was gonna say that unfortunately for people like me <laughs> as well um a big aspect of like the the concept of reaching people through music is the music side of it too like not just yeah. the lyrics of it but like how it how the song is musically like if it doesn't sound good if it doesn't if it's not appealing to anybody right then they're not gonna even listen to yeah. the lyrics if they don't like the music behind it unless yeah. they're really poet poetic type of people that purely listen to things for the the intent behind it right um, you have to give them the so, one two combo you got to hit them with the lyrics and then yeah. sonic with the left hook right right and so Dang. um like my first album i was just like not giving a fuck about how it sounded and just like putting lyrics that i thought were really raw and like meaningful to me uh, on yeah. it you know um but to this nowadays i'm like really trying to think about all those aspects like okay it, like like I, I still love writing fast upbeat songs right, right. and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fucking stop doing that but i also want to incorporate more other things that i like but also push myself out of my own boundaries and like not not like conform to more universal universally liked music but right. just in a way that it can connect more because like no one like a lot of people res like responded well to like my hard-hitting fast yelling on my first album right which that that's all it was yeah there are certain types of people that like that but then there are more people that don't even know what like acoustic punk or folk punk is or what punk is and then they listen to like one of my songs, like Hey You, which is like a really slow song, a right. quiet song, and it has a really nice meaning behind it. And then they people can be like, Oh, I've heard it. something like this before. This is kind of familiar. Yeah, and it's kind of like a kind of like a gateway in a way. Yeah, um, yeah, it allows them to draw that point of connection because it's so weird, man. I can't tell you how many times I've played at a fucking bar or whatever. And they're like, man, I have never heard anything like that. And it's it's so what you haven't heard someone playing acoustic guitar but fast. That, that's kind of that's crazy to me. But I get it because it's yeah. not like a widespread genre of music. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what it always was. Because uh, yeah. like I would get that sometimes too. 
and it was just like uh, okay <laughs> like i don't know um yeah. but uh what is that it's like oh it's folk punk part folk part punk but i, I i've kind of strived away from using the term folk punk just because like same. the culture isn't exactly where i want to identify myself you know i mean that really just circles back around to the identity thing man right exactly you know, like they're just like, like I do ever, what I do, and you can think what yeah. you think it is, and it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, it goes back to language, and like the um, like the intricacies of language is that like um, ever since I started getting into folk punk and learning what folk punk was, which honestly wasn't that long ago, maybe just a few years. Oh yeah. Ago, and and um, I was like, oh, it's so cool! Like I want to do that. Like Eric Peterson, fuck yeah! Dude, like he's I want, I want, dude, man. He, he was the reason that I thought about writing my own music. Coffee God and, and Cigarettes is the first song I ever learned how to play. Bury Me in Analog was one of one of the first for me, but I did end up learning a lot of his, his songs yeah. in the process. But um but then I was thinking about like what I would label myself as or like call myself or like I mean the stage name to begin with, because a lot of people knew me as Joe Billy anyway. Right. That was my name. And so I was like, all right, fuck it, I'll go with that. And then I was like, I don't know, I, I really want to play folk punk because it's just me and acoustic guitar playing really shitty punk music and singing about things that matter to me. Yeah. But but then it was just kind of like this inkling of like, I mean, at, at, I was already into a lot of like desubscribe, non-identity, blank slate, non-affiliate type of philosophies. And right. I was like, but it's like really kind of really specific, <clears throat> e even though... A lot of it isn't, but it's just like really specific in some sort of way. So I'm just yeah. going to describe describe myself as what I am. Like I play acoustic based punk music. Yeah. Because I can still consider myself uh, some sort of a punk musician. Right. It's and definitely a subset of punk rock. So if I can label it as broadly as I can, I would call myself acoustic punk and that's what i ended up doing yeah and, you know, that's actually exactly what i do now as well people will just call you what they will you know yeah. because everyone has different terminology I, i've gotten folk punk a lot from people i've gotten uh like just like solo artists or singer songwriter or less like acoustic artists or whatever and like it depends so some people call me acoustic rock which I don't get very often, but it's like, well, I get technically, I guess so. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like, it, it just depends. And that that's um, kind of where, like I said, the intricacies of language come in is like, how are you going to, like, I, I never want to label myself, but how would you describe yourself? Like there's a difference. Right. Like, I find there's a big difference between identity and just simple classification. How people not even perceive you. Not even, yeah. Not even classification, but just like, what what's the gist right you know, like the gist is acoustic punk you can call it whatever you want yeah like, here's what it is it's punk on an acoustic do, do you right. know what's really funny and like i'm sure you've encountered this as well for people who are not really familiarized with the genre people who come up to you and they're kind of like puzzled and they're like you know what you remind me of man you're like if bob dylan fucked dropkick murphy and I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've gotten similar things to that. I mean, a lot of people equate folk music to Bob Dylan. I mean, yeah. rightfully so. Rightfully so. so uh, I, I mean, take uh, that as an honor. I love both of those acts. For sure. <laughs> yeah. The I mean, weirdest thing I ever got 
I was in a band for like three months called the Naughty Illuminati, and it sucks that we broke up because I love that name so much. <laughs> like it imploded because like our bassist was a fucking asshole uh-huh. and a very toxic person. But like I wish I would have taken the name with me. But the the guy who auditioned to be our drummer auditions a strong word. He played drums yeah. and was like, "Yeah, do you want? Yeah, sure." Like like we're we're kind of hard up for drummers around here, but he like heard i don't know like war boner or something like some very like three four waltzy type folk punk he's like you know you remind me of man you remind me of slayer and i'm like of of what slayer (laughs) the band that slays i don't like them that i've never heard them but i probably wouldn't like them like how do you fucking get that out of that like if you just never heard any other band, you're like, oh, he sings right. and plays a guitar. Slayer does that too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like so narrow perspective. I know. Like, that's so funny. <laughs> like fucking what? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's always interesting and funny. Um, I guess I never really thought about this on a cultural, philosophical level, but like how people and like end up perceiving you or perceiving things in general, you know, like the, the way that like the differences of perception between two individuals is so uh, like, we don't think about it that much. And it's just like, so apparent when you really notice it, like like, literally two people next to me after a show are saying like, yeah, you remind me of Tim McGrath or the other one's like, yeah, you remind me of Bob Dylan. Yeah. Like those are, those are two really different people. Very <laughs> different. It's just like yeah. their point of reference and like what they, like I remember some guys like you sound like real big fish. And it's like, oh, you've just never heard another punk band. You were at the warp tour one time going to see like fucking Bullet for My Valentine or whatever, and like, oh, I guess real big fish is on and they play the yeah. same tempo you do. So you remind me of real big fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so funny. <laughs> Holy shit, man. We, we, we're we about to hit an hour and a half. Know, that's a movie, man. I, I did want to ask you one more question before yes. we uh, conclude this. So as somebody who writes music, performs music, and consumes music, this is something interesting to me. All right, so like, g- give me a band, any band, and I'll make an example out of them. An example out of them? Yeah, like um, for the kind of thing i'm gonna talk about the example i'm gonna make okay how about streetlight manifesto perfect okay so like say streetlight manifest all right so their last album was like the hands that theme right i believe so which i think is their best one like i'm somebody as an art i I don't want to call myself an artist i don't want to be presumptuous here but like Mm -hmm. As somebody who creates music, I'd like to think that the things I make now are better than the things I made then. And one thing you get a lot is when there's a new album that is like the culmination of these skills and these crafts of decades and decades that you've learned from your previous releases, you've learned and you've taken it with you. People are like, oh, I guess it was okay, but everything went numb from... 20 years prior that was way better man like they were at their prime when they were 16 now they're like 35 and they're not as good like what do you mean i mean there's some (laughs) bands that their new releases like aren't as good objectively but it's like 
for the most part, like bands just get better if they're worth a damn, you know? Or at least just try different things. Yeah. Like I, 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 uh, I used to be like a real elitist asshole. Right. And so, um, and so I was always like, man, this album sucks. This band fucking sucks now. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and as I grew as a musician, I was just like, I mean, they were probably just trying different shit. Like who wants to do the same thing their entire life? Yeah. You know, like, of course you're going to try to be creative. And if it doesn't work out, you don't keep doing it. You yeah. know, it's okay. If a song or an album sucks, maybe they'll write a better one. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean that the other albums suck now. Right. <laughs> right. Like, when bad religions, age of unreason came out last year. I love it. I think it's one of their best works. I think yeah, it's great. Yeah, but there's all these people like, man, like it's fucking okay, but like Suffer was way better. And it's like you think something that they made when they were and I love Suffer. It's a phenomenal album. I love I love everything they've done. But they're yeah. like you think that something they made when they were like twenty five is like better than like everything they've learned in two of those lifetimes over? Like I think generally, like if you're an artist and you're a good one, like you just get better, like personally. Like, I don't yeah, know. I think, uh, I think it's what you're trying to get out of it, too. Or, like, because, um, like, what you touched on was like the concept of always aging, not always aging, but always growing. Yeah. In some sort of way. Even if the songs like sound is exactly the same as a previous album, right? The lyrics are going to be different. And, like, right. if, if, granted, if they do grow as musicians and as people, then the music will reflect that exactly exactly if if they do but um there's a big difference between what you like and just the basic general fact of artists growing in their own personal lives or as a musician right um so i think that it's kind of like double faceted you know yeah um Um, like music consumers probably won't think as much about the musical side of it they're just going to decide whether or not they like it and then right. move on. Um, but then if you're a songwriter and like think about philosophy and psychology a bunch, then you're like, yeah, you know, like um, their album from a decade ago, I might like more, but I need to appreciate this because they put right. something out at this point in their life. And even if I don't listen to it to enjoy it, there's something here that is meaningful to right. them and meaning like if I care about the artist, I would pursue the perspective that they just per- put out. Yeah. I, I think one, one thing that you touched on that I really agree with is like people get out of it. Like people get out of it what they want. Like, and here's one reason I think that most people are like, man, it's not as good as the thing they made when they were 18 because the release that came out then they were probably like in high school, they were probably getting drunk and women all the time and blah, 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 going to frat parties and I'm, I'm having fun, which like, that's not my scene. But like now it's like, oh, I have like three kids and I got to pay bills. And this album came out while I have three kids. Fuck my life. Therefore, fuck this album for coming out. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Every every single experience that human beings have is an emotional experience. Exactly. Exactly. We are we are emotional beings and we learn through emotion. And that sounds like a very general concept, but 
Um, emotion itself is a very broad concept that people take too narrowly, I think. Yeah. You know, so like every experience that you have, you have some sort of emotional reaction to it. So like you said, like during that time period, was I in a really bad spot where like I hated life and just like this album uplifted me and gave me the motivation to get better again? Yeah. That album that album's gonna fucking stick with you, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like some of the most influential albums for me that like got me into either music or just like a uh, like it, it's just like a fucking awesome song or an awesome album and I just enjoy it. Like yeah. like whether I outgrow liking it or not, like that's always gonna stick with you to some degree. Right, of course. You know? I, I, but um where was I going with that? But but yeah, it's it's very especially music because music is such a at its core such a spiritual experience between people and with people, you know. So yeah. um, it always depends on a lot of <laughs> a lot of aspects, not just definitely like, like between how it is sonically, how it is composition wise, where you are emotionally right now, where you are in your life. Exactly. Like, exactly. I always try to remind people that everything is everything. <laughs> like there's no Dude, one that, thing about this, you know, in the context in which you built that up to, like, it sounds like such a simple statement, but the context you provided that led to the climax. That is that statement. Fucking profound, dude. It really is. <laughs> like, no, I, I dig it, man. It's fucking absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really easy to become narrow-minded in a lot of small ways that end up being important. Yeah. But everything is everything. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's a good stopping point. Uh, I, I will say, so. um, if you have, you know, like you have art out there, if you want to like plug where people can find you, anything that you're working on, if people are like, Oh man, this guy says some dope stuff, which <laughs> you do obviously. Um, and they want to find your music. Uh, yeah, tell them where you tell them where they can find it. For sure, uh, everything for uh, my solar project, Joe Billy, can be found on JoeBillyMusic.com. Um, everything can be found through there. My merch and music links and stuff, because I'm on Spotify and iTunes. I'm also on YouTube, and um, I'm currently working on an album and uh, working on some collabs with people, which is a lot of fun and. Just doing all the things, you know. So, joebillymusic.com is where you can find me. How about you, Johnny? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, High Fives Podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, I guess they know this if they're listening. But, uh, yeah, Johnny Neiman, I'm on fucking Spotify and Apple and LinkedIn and Zanga, you know, the, the whole nine. <laughs> Zanga. I don't think I've heard of that one. Oh, man, I used that when I was, like, 12 years old. It's, like, the angsty, like, I'm a fucking teenager, and I'm mm. heartbroken because nah, 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 nah. Yeah, that, that, that was, like, the MySpace for when I was 10. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm on that, too, in case there's any nostalgic people out there. Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, well, it was an yeah. absolute pleasure and joy to talk to you. Thank you so oh. much for taking out the amount of time it takes to watch a movie to talk to me. <laughs> no, this is, this is a lot it. of fun, dude. It was a lot of fun, dude. Th thanks, for, uh, I, yeah, thanks for asking me to do this. Uh, 
It's, it's really awesome to have these types of – I haven't ranted this much in a long time. I Dude, feel high right same. now. <laughs> and I feel like there's a lot of things where it's like we, we barely scratched the surface. And if you want to do this again, man, I'd love to. Yeah. Let's do it. Awesome, okay. man. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna upload this so it'll be on the internet. Hell yeah. All right, yeah, thanks brother. For anybody, thanks for anybody who actually listened. <laughs> Take it easy, brother. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye-bye.